Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Hey, The Bird Show. It was time for accountability. It was time for us to test women's instincts. I asked, look, if you just went out with a guy, and after your first or second date here, you already know this is the man that you are going to marry, then give us a call and we could follow you over the next couple of weeks, next couple of months, and let's see if your love at first sight instinct is correct. Did this a while ago, and it is time to get an update from our three women that called in and said, yes, I am sure that this is the dude. The first one was Candace. So it was November of last year that Bert asked women to call up who had been on one date, if that, and had met their future husband. Candace hit us up. They had been dating two weeks, but on one restaurant date, she goes, I know this man was meant for me. I knew before we went on the date. I knew five months ago. They were in a social media group. Uh, Candace said the way he moved was amazing. Reading books, posting most of uh, motivational quotes, and that made me pay attention to him. All of his po- posts were aligning with her. Candace got in his DM, started texting him. Candace had been dealing with the longest breakup in history. Her ex moved out. She told the guy she had a big crush on him. They talked for a couple weeks, finally planned their first date. He was everything she expected. Then a couple weeks wait, uh, weeks later, we did an update. She wasn't able to talk, but sent us a text saying, it's been an amazing two weeks. We had two more dates. I was able to see him on Thanksgiving as well. This weekend, we made things exclusive. So all is well over here. He's an amazing man and treats me with so much respect and kindness. All right, then we go ahead for a couple more weeks. He helped her put together a new bed, met up at main event, played games. She took him food Thanksgiving morning, spent some time before going to see her family, went over to his house one night, played truth or dare, had some nice conversation, had another date um, since, and now has a drawer at her house and a tiny box in her closet. So again, that was December 8th, our last update. Is Candace still dating? Her future husband. All right. So the thing to key on here, as she said, this was love at first sight. They were dating two weeks and went to a restaurant. And she said that she knew that she, that this was the dude even before they went out with each other. Candice, good morning. Good morning. Our, oh, based on what? what you sound like here, it's working. It went good morning, oh, not good morning. Right. It wasn't the shame good morning, like good morning, like a tail between the legs. Things are still going well? Things are still going well. I was listening to the recap, and I'm like, I didn't believe that I told y'all all of that stuff. But yeah. <laughs> so all these months later, I mean, you even knowing five months before you went out that this was the dude, so far you are 100% in on this guy. I am 100% in. He is 100% in. Uh, we are doing really well. Uh, we have had talks about being engaged before the end of the year. <gasps> wow. Damn. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, so things have been, it's been a good pace. It doesn't even feel really fast, but um, just a lot of honest conversation. He's so um, he's so open with, you know, and easy to talk to. So 
it's making things go just really, really well. All right. So, so far, one for okay. one. When you know, you know. Hey. Congratulations. Congratulations, Love Candace. is alive. I think we should never talk to you ever again. I like the way this is ending. <laughs> this, is, this is going. All right. Thanks, Candace. Appreciate it. Uh, Thank you. Then there was Ashley. Yeah. Ashley knew she had met the man she was going to marry before they had even gone on a date. So she called us up like, we haven't even gone on a date, uh, but I know this is the man I'm going to marry. We checked in a couple weeks later. He sends her a voice note. <laughs> Every morning, they're spending all day, night, and talking. Uh, she called it a real comfortable vibe. Now, back in December, she was super sick and couldn't join us. So we need to find out if Ashley is still dating her potential future husband. All right, Ashley, you knew this was the man you were going to be with even before you had gone out. How is it going now? Uh, it is going spectacular. We did go on that first day. Okay, okay. Um, it started out as brunch and somehow didn't end until 2 a.m. the next morning. Okay. All right, come on, man. Oh. Literally the entire day together. Um, we hung out with friends. We went to brunch. We went to lunch. We went to dinner. Like, it was a whole thing. Um, and then we spent New Year's in an Airbnb in Asheville. Nice. And um, actually this weekend, I'm going up to visit and we have another little mini vacay plan. Like we have a thing about like going away for stuff, uh, taking our little mini vacations uh, along with our dates. So we actually have a little mini vacay plan for this weekend that I am actually in the middle of packing for right now. That's fantastic. Loves it. All right. Story number two of when you know, you know. Successful. We are two for two. Two Two for two now. And then there was Tina. Then there was Tina. So she had met her future husband on Bumble. They've been dating a couple weeks. Um, Something deep in her chest or stomach just knew that this was the guy. She even said that she had never felt this way when she was with her ex-husband. Had never had this feeling. So we check in a couple weeks later. Things are going great. He asked her to meet his family and spend Christmas together. It would be their first Christmas she didn't spend with her family. Uh, Last time we checked in was December. They were at the six-week mark. They were still going strong. The tingles were still there. Um, Been getting to know his super sweet mom via FaceTime. Had deep discussions about when you know, you know. So, does she still know? Tina, we're going to make this a clean sweep here for women's instincts when you know, you know. And I also know. (laughs) Still in it, huh? Yeah, I did spend Christmas with his family, and it was so, so sweet. He's got a huge family, and it was just so much fun having so many people there celebrating together. And they're super traditional, and it was like quintessential Christmas. It was like Hallmark movies. It was great. So so is there a way to, like, put your finger on it? Like, I I mean, how do you even explain it? I guess it really is just kind of a gut love feeling, right? I That's how I've been explaining it like I have to uh, pinch myself because he's just so perfect and we're just it just feels so we feel so aligned um and we both seem to feel like the the exact same way about each other I I don't know how else to explain it I was absolutely sure when we started this segment in November that at least two of the three women would go yeah I got that one wrong I thought two for three. That, two for that, three. that was my guess. Yeah. I, I didn't see a, a clean sweep at all. We are bad a thousand, baby. Fantastic. <laughs> Love is here. Congratulations, so Tina. Thank you. It's, We've talked about marriage, too. Oh, I, look at this, man. Wow. <laughs> so, wow. I, I guess you know when you know. Mm-hmm. All right. 
The Burt Show. Time to get buzzed on the hot goss from Hollywood with Abby. It's The Burt Show's entertainment buzz. Dwayne The Rock Johnson would like a word with all of Hollywood because his former co-star, Rebecca Ferguson, is calling out someone she worked with who she says scolded her on set. This is an interview with Rain with John Smith. When do you think you've been proudest of using your own voice? I did a film with an absolute idiot of a co-star. And this human being was being so insecure and angry because this person couldn't get the scenes out. And I think I was so vulnerable and comfortable that I got screamed at and I would cry walking off set. This person would literally look at me in front of the whole crew and say, you call yourself an actor, this is what I have to work with, what is this? And I stood there just breaking, this happens. But because this person was number one on a call sheet, there was no safety net for me. So no one had my back. And I remember the next day I walked on and I said, you get off my set. This is the first time I've ever spoken. I remember being so scared. And I looked at this person and I said, you can F off. I'm going to work towards a tennis ball. I never want to see you again. And then I remember the producers came up and said, you can't do this to number one. We have to let this person be on set. And I said, but the person can turn around and I can act to the back head. Wow. And I did. I was so scared. I feel, I feel it now when yeah. I'm saying it. But from that moment, I have never let myself get to a point when I've got home and gone, what did I, why did that happen? So now people are dying to know which mm-hmm. actor treated her this way. And Dwayne The Rock Johnson would like to know as well because he responded on Twitter. He said, hate seeing this, but love seeing her stand up to BS. Rebecca was my guardian angel sent from heaven on our set. I love that woman. I'd like to find out who did this. And they're going to be in big trouble. So when you go down like her IMDB page or whatever and you see who the leading men were, who who are we even considering? So she clarified that it's not Hugh Jackman who she worked with on The Greatest Showman. It's not Tom Cruise, which I found a little surprising. He seems a little tense. <laughs> so now people have narrowed it down to a couple of different people. There's Jake Gyllenhaal. Guilty! <laughs> All the Swifties are like, yes! <laughs> Michael Fassbender. Ewan McGregor. Chris Hemsworth, and then a couple of other smaller names, but they were number one on the call list, so it's got to be a big name. Most people's theory is that it's Jake Gyllenhaal because he recently worked with a director who um, they did not, had had a lot of poor things to say about him, essentially, (laughs) and they ended up parting way because of quote-unquote creative differences, and I think with his uh, less-than-stellar reputation with the Gen Z women of the world because of his breakup with Taylor (laughs) Swift, people are more than happy to throw some more wood into the fire. That goes on his permanent record right there, that relationship with Taylor. When you have a 10-minute song about you that goes number one for a couple of weeks, (laughs) it's going to be really hard for me to take your side. And he never wears scarves again. He'll never wear scarves again. So something else that's been going viral on the internet is this Willy Wonka experience from Scotland. <laughs> i heard about this, man. It's like a pop-up, right? <laughs> yeah, it was called Willy's Chocolate Experience, which is basically a way to get around the whole copyright thing with Willy Wonka and the Chocolate fast Factory. It was basically this bogus weekend event happening in Glasgow. It, took, uh, it was $35 to, to enter, and it was basically... Ex- um, being sold as like a Willy Wonka experience, but without the actual credit behind it being a Willy Wonka experience. And you know, we parents are desperate to do anything with our kids on the weekend, so we're signing up left and right. It, it, it ended with nearly an angry mob because police were called at the end because they, they were so upset. And now one of the actors who played Willy Wonka is speaking about how ratchet of an experience it is. <laughs> he says, "I yeah, I shouldn't have even been Willy Wonka. I wanted to say I feel for anyone who bought tickets to this event. Um, people who are expecting a magical chocolate experience uh, and got me in a top hat in a 
dirty warehouse in Glasgow. Anyone who looks at me and thinks Willy Wonka and not Umpa Lumpa is out of their <laughs> mind. I give off major Umpa Lumpa energy, but not like a good Umpa Lumpa, like one that's at the back during the dance numbers. In an instance like this, it's good to undersell and over-deliver. Uh-huh. But they did the exact opposite. They're calling it the Fire Festival for Children. <laughs> so the, the like what they what they pitched, right? And they took it was AI photographs of like this candy land, right? And like and just like lollipops and chocolate rivers. And I mean, it looked glorious. And then you walk in and it looked like a meth lab. It was so sad. <laughs> It's so pathetic. I was cackling, but then feeling for the parents because I'm like, yeah, you spend money. And if you have like a family of four and you just shelled out like, you know, almost 40 bucks for your family to go. Yeah, you have every right to be pissed. And I understand. I mean, parents are already on the verge of being pushed over a ledge anyway. This I can understand why an angry mob was about to form. Maybe it was a Breaking Bad pop up <laughs> and they got it. <laughs> they got it mixed up. The fire, the fire festival for kids like sent me over the edge. That's dude. It was so funny. <laughs> Yeah, they said that when they walked in, they were instructed to give the kids one jelly bean, a singular jelly bean, and a quarter of a cup of lemonade. So at least they got something. All right, millennials have noticed that Beyonce's Texas Hold'em sounds a lot like a theme song from a popular from a popular kids show. We will compare them on your next eBuzz on the Bird Show. Hey, the Bird Show. Really pretty interesting here. So she has a fund, sort of a safety fund, that if the hubby ever takes off that she'll have. Are you guys getting an echo? Yeah, it's coming from your computer. You need to mute your Zoom, I do believe. I already did that. Oh, you can just mute your, mute your computer then, and we should be good to go. Nah, it's not coming from me. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> I ain't doing it. There we go. Yeah. Okay. Voila. Uh, anywho, so she's got this fund, that the security fund, that just in case uh, the husband takes off, that she'll have, right? Which we've heard several women do this, um, that just for security purposes, if they like, um, if they decide to be the stay-at-home parent and they put their career to the side or, you know, stop working and they don't have any money to their name, they will squirrel away money just in case something goes awry. That way they're not left completely broken um, or broke rather uh, if things go south. So this is from Instagram and she's wondering, is she being an a-hole? Because she's got this this nest egg just in case the hubby takes off at, at some point. But now he needs the money or they need the money as a family. So me and my husband have been together for eight years, married for seven. When I got married, my mother came to me privately and talked about setting aside money as a rainy day slash escape fund if worse came to worse. My husband has never showed any signs of being dangerous and rarely even gets upset. But the way my mom talked about it, it seemed like a no-brainer to have. When me and my husband got together, we agreed I would be a stay-at-home wife. We are both child-free, so that was never a concern. My husband made a comfortable mid-six-figure salary, all was good, until about two years ago. He was injured at work in a near-fatal accident. Between hospital bills and a lawsuit that we lost, that ate up nearly all of our savings. I took a part-time job while my husband was recovering, but when he fully recovered, we transitioned back into me being unemployed as my husband insisted that it was his role to provide. He is currently working two full-time jobs and Ubers on his days off to keep us afloat. Here's where I might be the a- 
all. I do all the expense managing and I've continued to put money into my escape account. Although I significantly decreased from $750 a month to $200 a month. My husband came home exhausted one night and asked about downsizing because of all the stress of work was going to kill him. I told him downsizing would not be an option as I had spent years making our house a home and offered to go back to work. He tried to be nice, but basically told me that me going back to work wouldn't make enough. After an argument, my husband went through our finances to see where we could cut back. He was confused when he saw it had regular reoccurring withdrawals leading back years and asked me about it. I broke down and revealed my money to him, which now sits at $47,000. After I told him all of this, he just broke down sobbing. His point of view is I treated him like a predator and hid money from him for years, even when he was at his lowest. I told him that the money was a precaution I would have taken with any partner and not specific to him. He left the house to stay with his brother and said I hurt him on every possible level. But my mom says this is exactly what the money is for and I should bail now. Am I the Let's have a field day with this one. Yeah, I mean, her mom to say this is exactly what the... No, this man was like, like you all were struggling, right? Like he was at his lowest of lows and had that horrible accident at work. And he's showing you, like it'd be one thing if he was just on the couch not doing anything, but the man was working two jobs plus doing ride share in order to try to make ends meet. And you're sitting on $47,000, which could alleviate some of the stress for all of you. She is absolutely an a-hole. <laughs> I, so I get why some women have like these like secret accounts, um, depending on what kind of relationship you're in. But listening to, I mean, and she wrote the story. He didn't write it. We're listening it from, from her perspective, breaking the stuff down. Like... It, it just, it doesn't settle well with me. Right, 1-855-BIRCH, so I'm, and we need to use the voice disguiser on this. Do you have one of these secret nest eggs that he or she doesn't know about, and how much is in it? 1-855-BIRCH, Cassie. I'm so torn because I actually just watched an account of a woman who was like a trad wife and didn't have any work experience and everything was in her husband's name, and he's like, I no longer find you attractive and left her, Ooh. and now she can't feed her kids because she never saved up for herself, never put these emergency contingencies in place. Well, it's her fault for getting ugly. <clears throat> She's beautiful, though. That's the thing. <laughs> She's like super hot. Anyway. Um, so I'm so torn. I don't have anything against having the hidden nest egg, but I do think you're in a partnership and you need to treat it that way. So if your family is down and out, you need to figure out either a way to go to work or invest that money and live off the dividends. Like at some point you, you kind of have to give it up a little bit. I feel like I might be missing some of the story because I was trying to follow the whole thing. But to my understanding, I, yeah, I don't see how she wouldn't be the a-hole in this story if she did have uh, that money there the entire time and he was doing everything he felt like he needed to do to keep his family afloat. Um, I'm coming around to understanding the secret money thing. I get it when, you know, just in case something goes bad, why you would need it. But I would imagine if you do find yourself in an emergency situation where you being someone's partner, you could help and you don't help. Yeah, that in the end makes you the ale. Well, it feels like she is one foot out the door when clearly her partner needs her if you're struggling financially and you're hoarding away a, like a year's salary just for yourself when you could be using it for your family. It feels like you're you're about to run. And for what reason? If he's showing no signs of, of being an abusive person, it just feels very, I think selfish is a hard word, but... It was definitely not a good use of the money. Hey, Rachel, good morning. You're part of the Burt Show. Hi. Hey there. I would say everybody needs a nest egg. I did the same thing. Um, 
My husband did actually have an accident where he was out of work, and I did help him with some of that money, but he was never a good saver. And after that accident, his, something happened to his brain, and he ended up leaving me with nothing. So how much did you have saved up? Um, I only ended up with about $3,000, but that was what I needed to pay rent. Okay. Mm-hmm. Right, mm. I get, at least get you out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And on your way. All right, we could do way more than that. Um, we're going to call her Karen. She's on the voice disguiser. How much have you stashed away he has no idea about? $50,000. $50,000. How long has it taken you to do that, and how do you go about doing it? Um, well, we had taken a, a loan against our house um, to do some repairs, mm-hmm. and I scored back like 22000 from that. He's completely uh, just ambivalent about, about the finances. I don't think he realizes. And then I took that from that, and then he gets paid, but I do it like he gives me money. He usually gives me $1,000 a week, and I continue to ask for more, but I constantly put it back. He thinks I'm broke like every day, but literally like three months ago, I was able to buy a $50,000 CD just to make sure my kids have college college money just in case because you never know. All right, $50,000. All right, Matt's like, I don't even want to be on the voice, Skyzer. I'm going to tell you exactly how much I got. Hey, Matt, good morning. Yes, uh, my name's Matt. I have 100000 100000 oh. in account she has no idea about. Correct. And what's your motivation here? So I've been burned many times, so... Being 35, I started this account when I was 21, and I just kept it going through all my jobs. And just part of my money just keeps going into that account and keeps building. So the two of you are married? Uh, I... I had a divorce, now I just got remarried, yes. You just got remarried, okay. Um, And because you've been burned in the past, she's never shown any... Any signs of taking advantage of you? This is just you, because of your past relationship, feeling like you need to do this. Correct. Will you ever disclose to her that you have $100,000? Uh, there's a possibility. It's just that I cannot, in my gut, I don't know what if I could, if I could trust her with that, if that makes sense. Uh, Abby's mouth is a gasp. Well, my my mom is, I guess, what you would consider, like, not a trad wife, but, I mean, she is financially dependent on my dad, and she just texted me, you know, if you feel like you need secret money, you need to get out. That's and so my question is, wh- what's the purpose in keeping it from her? Like, what do you plan to do with this money? It, it would be like a retirement account. Yeah, like, I would literally make this the retirement account, or it would go towards the kids. Um, college fund. And this is money that you had before you got married a second time? Correct. Okay. So she wouldn't be entitled to that in a divorce anyway, but if you guys were together and you earned that money when you were with her, if you hit it, when you get divorced, a lot of couples will hire a forensic attorney that will go through all your finances uh, and it will be exposed anyway. So you might think it is being hidden, but, um, yeah, uh, they'll find it. They'll find it if it's there. <laughs> Matt, I'm just curious. Does she work and contribute financially to the household? I uh, no. She, um, she's a stay-at-home wife. Uh, actually, her 
two-year-old daughter is um, medically challenged okay. and disabled, so she takes care of that, and I work full-time. Gotcha. Okay. Fascinating. $100,000. Wow. Wow. If you found out that Bart had $50,000 stashed away and you didn't know about it, how, how would that go over? Wouldn't go over well, Bert. No. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't go over well at all, sir. I'm thinking not, Kristen. No. Mm-mm. I'm thinking not. <laughs> all right. Are you looking for excitement in Atlanta? Well, you got it right down the street at Mercedes-Benz. That's where Atlanta United plays. And I've been telling you for years, it's one of the most exciting nights that you will have with your family. Soccer is different. It's just different than going to a football game, baseball game. There is no downtime. I mean, the excitement lasts the entire game at an Atlanta United match. And it doesn't even matter if you're really, really into soccer or not. I'll tell you one way to get into soccer. Just go to one Atlanta United game and you will get caught up in the excitement so much that you'll become a lifelong fan. I'm telling you this right now. I love bringing my son Hollis there. I love bringing his friends there. I know it's going to be a safe family event, and I know I'm going to walk out of there. I got some memories now with my kids. So don't look any further. You got one of the best soccer teams in the country right here in our own backyard, Atlanta United. Just give it one try, Atlanta United. You can always get your tickets at atlutd.com. If you're looking for somewhere to celebrate, whether it be a birthday or a graduation or anniversary, May I recommend an Atlanta United match? So my husband and I just celebrated our seventh wedding anniversary. He is a massive Atlanta United fan. So, of course, we decided to go to a match at Mercedes-Benz Stadium and had the best time. I'm telling you, if you're a super fan, if you're a casual fan, going to an Atlanta United match is a great way to celebrate. My husband got to watch a great match, and I got to enjoy delicious wine, and I also may have gone to the team shop and got myself a new sweatshirt. I'm very excited about my new Atlanta United sweatshirt. (laughs) And kudos to Atlanta's fan base, because every time we ride Marta to go down to a match, it is packed full of people wearing their Atlanta United gear. Visit atlutd.com for tickets and also for the match schedule. That's atlutd.com. Hey y'all, it's Katie here from The Bird Show. Pride unites us all and so does Atlanta United. That's why I'm giving you the chance to win a spot in The Bird Show's Pride Night Suite in celebration of Pride Month. That's right. Join me and The Bird Show crew on Sunday, June 2nd, as Atlanta United takes on the fierce rival Charlotte FC with kickoff at 4.30 p.m. Eastern Time. We need to beat Charlotte, so we will be loud and proud. Believe that. Oh, and by the way, did I mention Atlanta United is giving away a -a one-of-a-kind Pride-inspired towel, plus a $5 donation to Lost and Found Youth, an Atlanta-based nonprofit that provides services to the LGBTQ plus youth, which is included with your Pride Night ticket pack. Remember, to enter for your chance to win a spot in the Bird Show's Pride Night Suite, head over to thebirdshow.com. To guarantee your tickets and pride towel, go to atlutd.com and click the promotional packs tab for more details. Can't wait to see you all there June 2nd at 4.30 p.m. Together, we are Atlanta. Atlanta United. See you there. You're on The Bird Show. Things are great in the relationship. So good, right? But you found out that he cheated a while ago. And you just can't move past it, right? 
That is the email that we got, and we're going to bring a professional in with us here in just a couple of seconds. Jessica Hutchinson from the Honest Women podcast will answer this one because it's way above our pay grade. Hey, Bert Show. I was hoping I could get some advice on this one since I don't really have close friends to ask, and some different perspectives would be helpful. My fiance and I have been together for about two and a half years and engaged for two months. I recently found out that last year, he had an affair with a girl from the gym. To say I was devastated is an understatement, especially since we're engaged, living together, have two dogs, and planning a wedding. His mistress found me on Facebook and said she wanted to share everything once she found out we were engaged, so I wouldn't make a mistake with this huge commitment. Apparently, it lasted a couple of months, including I love you texts and them sleeping together at least twice that I know of and once at our house. Uh Oh, wow. He claims he was just confused and put it all of it and put all of it behind him when he proposed. He has been trying really hard to show he has changed and wants to go to therapy together. I just feel so angry, betrayed, and uncomfortable in my own home and lost. I love him. I love his family. And we had really started creating a nice life together. This whole thing caught me completely off guard. So would you try to work things out or would you leave and start over? My main concern with this being almost 32 and wanting to have kids ASAP. How could I ever trust him again? Any advice would be so appreciated. I'm so pissed. I'd be so pissed. <laughs> <laughs> the infidelity is one thing, but then doing it in our house, our bed, Ooh. our couch, Pretty our kitchen counter, uh. our bathroom, uh. our deck. It wasn't me. Um, <laughs> I, and it would be, it, it would also hit different too if he had come clean, but it was the mistress who hit her up on Facebook and outed him. So he didn't even like, it wasn't that the, he was so guilt ridden that or riddled with guilt that he had to come clean. No, he got busted. Like, otherwise, this probably never would have come to light. So how do you get over something like that? Jessica Hutchison from the Honest Women podcast. She hosts that with Andrea Berkeley. Legally, I got to tell you, that's on the Pioneer Network, and that's my network. Uh, she got answers because I'd be too, I would just leave immediately in my house even. So, Jessica, how do you get over something like that? If it happened in the past, things seem to be fine now, but how do you get over Okay, first, I was really excited about this question because this is right in tune with all the work I do, the couple's work I do. So let me start by saying that what used to create shame was divorce. Divorce is no longer a shameful thing. Now it's staying with your partner when they step outside the relationship. Mm. That is the new shame Mm. in relationships. So let me also go back and say that in my experience, which I work with couples and infidelity all the time, I have rare And by rarely, I mean one time seen a person who is just has a fair after affair, right? This whole idea, once a cheater, always a cheater, I am just going to go ahead and say is completely false in my professional work. It is usually somebody who never, ever thought they would step outside of the relationship and then slowly crossed a line they never thought they would cross. I also think trying to have an affair in this modern day world, <laughs> good luck guys, right. somebody's gonna find out, <laughs> like it's just gonna happen. So when we're talking about getting through it, you can't brush it under the rug. I'm sorry it won't happen again, will never ever <laughs> work. So I'll go ahead and plug emotionally focused couples therapy, which I'm trained in, 
hands down, one of the best ways to work for, through infidelity. For this listener especially, you know, affairs tell us we're not worthy, right? It challenges our sense of self-worth. So for this listener, do the things that make you feel good, that bring back that sense of self-worth that were lost the minute you found out your fiance stepped outside of the relationship. Another thing I would say, curb the curiosity, knowing more details, and I mean details about the actual affair, will only hurt you more. There's absolutely nothing good that will come out of that. Now, doing the work inside a couples therapy, a good solid couples therapist office, I will tell you this is the best opportunity to recreate the foundation of a relationship. And I have I have seen a number of marriages come back stronger than they ever were when they first came together. But you need there's two different things that have got to happen to rebuild that trust. And the first thing is, is that the partner who stepped outside the marriage or relationship has to understand the pain that they created. Not an I'm sorry, but the absolute pain that they created. And that looks a little like when you stepped out, you solidified for me that I'm not good enough. You have to understand that. And then on the opposite side, the person who got cheated on needs a better understanding of why, why it happened. And I will tell you guys, it is rarely because something was wrong with a relationship or something was wrong with a partner. I have yet to see that in my couple's experience. It's usually something within the person mm -hmm. that they are struggling with that creates this need to, to step outside the relationship. It's so, so hard to not take something like that so personal, though. It's impossible. Yeah. It is impossible. And that's why I'm sorry doesn't work because mm -hmm. it's not about the affair. It's about what it, the affair told that person, right? This is all self-worth. And so you can't trust anybody ever again when you think you're not good enough Jessica, you for said that some, person. You said so many great things here. Yeah. Uh, one of the things that I highlighted here, and we've heard from time to time, and I think we even saw this in like a Grey's Anatomy episode also. When somebody gets cheated on, they want to know every single detail of it so they could somehow some way get over it you're saying that is absolutely not healthy no not healthy at all and not helpful not at all i mean you're recreating it's kind of like if you think about the bad things that go on in the world every detail of the bad things that go on in the world does it make it better or does it make it that much worse mm, truth I, I feel like the hardest part in this for me would be to find security and the person wouldn't do it again, especially when you didn't find out from them admitting it. You had to find out another way like that would be the part that a bridge that I couldn't cross. And Mo, you're, you are exactly right, which is why to rebuild the trust, the partner has to, to understand that pain. And I've seen it play out in my office time and time again. They have to understand that pain. And so then it becomes not about I will never step outside the relationship. It becomes about I will never cause that kind of pain to you ever again. Oh, that's major right there. Yeah, Wait, say that again, because we need to circle that and mm -hmm. italicize it and bold it. Say that again. It is not about I will never step outside the marriage or the relationship again. It is about I will never cause that kind of pain to you ever again. Oh, that's good. Mm -hmm. All right, this is listener Jessica telling therapy, therapist Jessica that she's 100% right. Hey, Jessica, good morning. Good morning, guys. How you doing? Good. Thank you. Well, um, I had that 
I mean, it happened to me, it's been a year, and so like a year and a half already, and I did pull a Christina Yang on, on him, if, if anybody knows what that means. Uh-huh. I went into, I wanted to know every single detail, and I corroborated that with her. So, I was just like putting salt on my wound. I didn't, I have no idea what I did that. I should not have done that at all, because... Even though we go, we know we're still going through therapy, going through it, I'm still not sure what am I gonna do. And it's it, like every other day, it really is, it, it's in my head every other day. And like I can actually physically see them, and and every single detail. So don't just that very selfish is information enough. Do not go dig into more because it's it's not worth it. Thank you. I appreciate you calling. Yeah, I can understand like. You thinking this is going to be wise, like in your head, it's probably worse than it really is. So if I get all the details that might, and it's, it's always going to be worse. I think the physical part of it is always going to be worse. Every time I've asked a question, I've regretted asking that question. <laughs> <laughs> don't, don't ask. Hey, one other thing I wanted to get in with you here, Jessica, before you take off is explain this one more time here. Cause I loved what you said about the new shame. Hmm. Yeah. What I said was, is what used to create shame for us as humans was divorce. Now that's old. What's new is staying with your partner after they step outside of the relationship. That is the new shame. And you see it in this listener's email. I don't have anybody to talk to. Mm -hmm. And I see that inside my office. I can't tell my friends and family what happened because what will they say? Once a cheater, always a cheater. Get the heck out of there. And they shame you for staying and working on the relationship. That is new. That's this new age thing. That's good stuff. How many times have we ripped on like Khloe Kardashian for going back over and over and over again, right? It's mm-hmm. almost like the sidebar is Tristan. She's the like she's the one that's caused this somehow, some way, perceptually. Yeah. All of a sudden, you start blaming the victim instead of the person who's perpetrating the, the infidelity. Mm-hmm. So that is Jessica Hutchison. You did a great job from Honest Women Podcast. She's on there with Andrea Berkeley. Uh, that is part of my network, Pioneer Network, and you can catch them each and every week. What do you got lined up this week? Oh, what do I have lined up? Oh, we just launched. What was our, what day is it? Thursday? Yeah. Okay, Daily Grind. You guys, I'm telling you, my never know what day it is. But no, this week we're talking about the Daily Grind and kind of this idea that we're supposed to dig and have a good time with the Daily Grind, which is absolutely false. And can we just throw that out and talk about how depressing hmm. the Daily Grind, especially if you're a mom out there? Oh my gosh, can it be depressing? So we're talking all about Daily Grind. Jessica Hutchinson from uh, the Honest Women Podcast. Thank you, Jessica. Thank you. See ya. The Bird Show. I think I've said this a million times before. You guys hit us up with emails or call for advice or whatever. Why? We don't know what we're doing. <laughs> we're no different than you. We don't have degrees in all of this. We're just a couple of people with microphones. Just doesn't make us any more credible than you guys. Okay, you need to stop because we need people to still email us stuff because we need content. Well, that's true, but I just want to let you know that the advice we give you is probably bad. (laughs) (laughs) We pretend like we know pretty well. So let's see how we stack up against a true professional, and that would be Dear Abby. Now, you guys don't look at your schedule. Don't look to see how Abby, Dear Abby, 
addressed this or answered it, all right? And she is an old school, like this goes back to those things called newspapers that people actually Ooh. held in their hands. And she was an advice columnist that was, she's nationally syndicated in newspapers and people would send in questions to Dear Abby and she would try to help them and give them the best advice she has. She's still doing it. I don't know where it is. I don't know if it's in newspapers, mm-hmm. online, whatever. Okay, but here it is because her husband has got himself a little bit of a habit and that habit is porn, and she's not too happy about it, so she writes into Dear Abby. Dear Abby, my husband looks at pornography. <gasps> I find it disgusting, and it turns me off. I feel that if he has to look at it, it means I'm not good enough or sexy enough for him. I don't believe his excuse of, it has nothing to do with you. When I try to tell him how it makes me feel, he becomes indignant, and turns the conversation around to something he doesn't like about me to take the focus off of himself. Deflect, deflect, deflect. He doesn't watch porn around me, but he gets pop-up ads on his phone all the time, so I assume he looks at it frequently. I've even seen notifications suggesting he belongs to a website where he can chat with women, although he says he has no idea why he gets them. I'm not stupid. I don't know anyone else with this kind of issue. I have been able to have sex with him lately knowing this is going on. I don't have plans to leave him over this, but what can I do? And then in capital letters, turn it off in Washington. <laughs> All right, Abby, how would, no, no, how, would, how would you give advice? How would I give advice? No, yep. I think we should go to the professional. What did, what did the other Abby say? We've, um, okay, here's what I would do. For me, I understand why it's a turnoff. And especially in a relationship, it. I agree that it, it doesn't completely make sense. Like, I've never understood, like, if you have the opportunity between getting it on with a real person and getting it on with your phone, why you would choose your phone over that person. And I'm sure there's a logical explanation that a man might be better qualified to explain. But I, I think, really, you just need to, if you're not going to leave him over it, and you want to continue with this relationship, then maybe you just have to accept that this is a part of his sexual routine. If that's really what he's into, if he would rather do it with his phone or his computer or his DVR, whatever he's looking at. Um, I, I I think that you just have to accept this part of him. And I guess my, I guess my advice here is just ignore it, which is horrible <laughs> advice. <laughs> All right, uh, I would <laughs> I would say it, as hard as it is to do, and I get why it's difficult, uh, the first thing you have to do is stop taking it personally. He, he could be doing this for reasons that belong solely to him and has nothing to do with you. Second thing I would say to do is to stop assuming. Don't assume why he's doing it. Um, and, and again, don't make it about you. But then once you do that, I would say it's time to have a conversation with him to where you're honest about why it affects you. And if he is not going to... Um, Take that in, take heed to whatever you're saying, then you got to truly make a decision about whether or not you can continue in this relationship. And if you cannot, then leave. All right. We need to have a porno mediation. Okay? Porno mediation. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you sit down, <laughs> he sits down, you explain how him watching porn affects you. He explains why he has this desire and need to watch it. And then you come up with pornography boundaries. So mm-hmm. I do agree. Like for some people that this is, you know, part of his, you know, his it's sexual for, experience. Is foreplay before the foreplay? Maybe. Who knows? Um, everybody has their own re- <laughs> Everybody yeah. has their own reasoning. 
So now him talking, chatting with other women, that crosses a line. That to me is if, if you're chatting with other women online, well, that's a, a certain form of infidelity, at least in my eyes, right? So now he doesn't say that he, she doesn't say he is. She says he belongs long, to a yes. website where the, where they can chat with women. We don't know if he has. Mm. But that's where the the pornography mediation and compromise comes in. He's like, you can be like, okay, well, you belong to this website. Mm. If you want to look at it, that's fine. But if you chat with women, you have crossed a line. So you come up with these parameters that makes you comfortable and also allows him to explore this mm. area of his sexual life that it seems, obviously seems very important to him. So that's an interesting take here. Um... I wasn't going to go down this road, and I want to get to her advice in a second. But if the fantasy is a fantasy, and he's just talking to a woman, he's not even looking, maybe he's looking at her, uh, and talking to her, why is that so much more offensive than just looking at the pictures? It's not like they're going to meet up at noon or anything. It's you, you considering him to the, the, the fantasy. You, I mean, you don't know that. I mean, I don't know who these people are. I don't know where they are. Like, actually talking to another human being and having an interaction with them um, can lead to more like that, that that starts involving emotion right like your cognitive thinking you're actually engaging with somebody else that's a whole different level that's comparing apples and oranges it's one thing to look at a picture it's one thing to look at a video it's another thing to have a full-on interaction with another human being yeah I would, I would just see it as a gateway like yep. it's, it's not necessarily that it's different but you're opening the doors for it to become different very quickly if there's communication involved compared to where there isn't I think I would be in the same situation as this woman writing in. Um, um, maybe this makes me sort of unique as a guy, but if my woman was looking at porn every single day, um, that would that would definitely get into my head. Every day is an issue. Uh-huh. So that's why I feel like you need to have a mediation and come to compromise. Like if you want to look at it twice a week, sure, every day, I'm not okay with that. Like you have to come to some kind of like, um, middle ground here. And if you're looking at pornography, I don't know what the definition of addiction to pornography is. I don't know what constitutes addiction to pornography, but I feel like if you have to look at it every single day, you might want to take a step back and, and ask yourself, why do I need this every single day? I don't consider myself prude-like, but it doesn't even have to be every day. If my woman was looking at porn, it would bother me. Once a week? Bother me. Once a week wouldn't bother me. Bother me. I don't know why. Just I don't to, know why either. Just for her to get a, like a quick little. Eep. Eep. What if you're not around? <laughs> then wait till I am. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why I feel so strongly about this, but I do. Okay. So here's the advice that dear Abby gave the professional. Dear turned off. Realize that your husband's appetite for porn really has nothing to do with your level of attractiveness and everything to do with his own appetites. Next, and this is equally important, please seek a referral to a licensed psychotherapist who can help you to rebuild your damaged self-esteem. Your husband is far from the only man who enjoys X-rated entertainment. So do some women. And many couples view it together as a form of erotica. That wouldn't bother me. But by herself, mm-hmm. I don't know why I feel so conservative in this area. Huh. Uh, the chat rooms, however, are another matter. Perhaps your husband can explain that to you during some of the sessions with your therapists. 
I might be more effective than him becoming critical and accusatory when you attempt to try to explain how his behavior affects you. Of this, I am sure denying sex to your husband not only won't improve your relationship, but it will erode it further, and I don't recommend it. Well, yeah, if you're if you're upset he's watching porn, and so you withhold sex, right. um, you're just kind of pouring gasoline on that yeah, fire. Yeah, that subscription cost going to go up, 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 and up. <laughs> <laughs> it's the Bird Show. Thanks for listening. Get more Bird Show fix at thebirdshow.com or follow us on social media at The Bird Show.